Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. I'm Jared Katz alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. Uh, it's been a little bit. How's it going, man? It's going okay. How are you doing? You got any exciting uh, upcoming plans, Jared? Uh, nothing too crazy. I'm driving up to uh, Colorado for a couple weeks, which should be fun. Um, but other than that, uh, nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. How about you? Uh, nothing crazy coming up or anything like that for me. Uh, just staying here in Dallas. <laughs> there you go. I'm trying to get away from some of the COVID for a little bit. Um, when uh, when we last recorded, it was probably a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, so we're we're trying to to get back up to speed here. Um, and we got uh, what should be a pretty good episode today. Uh, a couple of highly requested players, including uh, a Mavs draft longtime favorite, uh, which we'll get into here uh, in a cool. little bit. What's that? Close friend of the podcast. <laughs> Close friend of the podcast. That's right. Um, but we'll save him for the end. I mean, he's in the title, so you know it's Desmond Bain. But uh, we'll, we'll save Desmond for the end. Um, and we'll go ahead and start off with um, the Serbian-Israeli forward, Denny Avdia. So um, what's kind of the background on Avdia? Yeah, so he... Uh, he came along a couple years ago, came into the mainstream spotlight. I think in 2018 or 19, people had started paying attention, attention to him. And I know right after last year's draft class, the uh, FIBA U19s came up. And I want to say he was MVP of that. Um, don't quote me on that, but I know he deserved it at the least. Um, yeah, he, and, he was a FIBA U20 is what I have. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the U20s, excuse me. And, I, and he was incredible. That was my first uh, full game I saw of him was in that environment and I mean, he was just phenomenal. Uh, and he had been on the radar, and people have been saying, you know, this guy could be number one next year, which probably won't happen, but we won't rule that out. Um, but he really impressed me, and he's a super unique player. You know, he's a do-it-all forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, just right off the bat, I think he was unfairly compared a bit <laughs> to Luca, just because of the similarities of the, of the early success overseas. And, you know, Denny plays for Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is a pretty well-regarded uh, European league club. Uh, are they EuroLeague? No, I'm yeah. Not sure. They are. Okay. So pretty highly regarded club one way or the other. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who had a big role. And I think people thought he was going to kind of take that next step that Luca did. Uh, he didn't quite get there. Uh, he averaged uh, in about, four, well, this is before the break. Uh, he had averaged about 40 or in 47 games, about 20 minutes a game, uh, six shot attempts per game, shot just over 51% from the field, uh, made 33% of his three pointers on about two and a half attempts per game. Not a good free throw shooter. He's uh, a 52% free throw shooter on the year, and he was 51% the year before, something he's working on. Uh, and he averaged just under eight points, four rebounds, 1.7 assists, half a steal, and half a block. Per game, again, that was before everything got shut down. Um, according to uh, Kyle Boone on Twitter, as of July 15th, anyway, uh, in the games since return to play, uh, Denny is averaging 17 points, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting 41% from three. 
Um, so obviously much better numbers since the return start. And I think that's something we'll talk about. Uh, one other thing I wanted to cover in his background is he comes from an athletic and a basketball family. His dad actually played ball overseas. His mother ran track at a high level. So, you know, Denny's got all the genetics in the world. Um, and obviously has been a high level basketball player for a long time. Yeah, his his uh his genetics show, I mean, he's got an incredible frame for his play style. I think he's what, six nine, six ten, six eight, somewhere in that window. Uh, and, you know, he's a good playmaker. Uh, really helps just complement it. That's why he's so unique. You know, you don't see this the size and skill combination uh, come around very often. Right. And I had him at six eight, two ten. I don't have a wingspan on him, but he doesn't look particularly long one way or the other. Like it looks like probably a a neutral wingspan, maybe give an inch or two one way or the other, but nothing nothing wild. Yeah, yeah, nothing stands out on that regards. Uh, so where do you have Denny ranked in your updated ranking list? So I have Denny, uh, he's still in my top 10. He's number eight. Might change pretty soon um, based on some of the people we've talked about, but for now he's number eight. Okay. I have him at six, but he's rising. Um, yeah. And he has the benefit again of his his league resume play. Um, yep. And we're seeing, I believe his teammate, Yam Madar, is, a, is his teammate, yep. right? Yep. So there's another guy who, and I think we touched on this in a prior episode about potential international players to watch out for. But these are, these are guys who are going to have a little more steam, a little more helium, just because they're playing basketball right now. And for Denny, at least, he's playing at a very high level. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, you know, he's got the social media stuff. I, I, I'm hesitant to buy. We'll get into this. But, you know, he posted the new shot on Twitter and Instagram. Um and then, you know, he's the only player probably in draft history uh, to be able to be in the same draft class before the draft, post his new shot. You know, Mo Bamba did that a few years ago, but there was no games. But he actually gets to showcase it in games. And he's actually been a good three-point shooter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like 41%. Yeah, over, yeah, over 40%. And it looks different, too, yeah. to me. Yeah, at least from a standstill. Yeah. So do you have him listed as a wing or a forward? Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess if I had to lean one way or another, I'd probably say forward. Uh, yeah. Just because I think he can play so much more up than down. I agree. I think he's more of that 3-4. Um, and I think he could be really dangerous as a small ball four. I actually really like that role for him. Yep. Um, obviously, totally different players, but the same way Luka or LeBron or Ben Simmons kind of you know play that three or four, but they handle the ball so much that yeah. they're also guards at the same time, but, you know, they don't have to guard down. So, you know, a player like that is is really a dangerous mismatch offensively. Um, talk about him a little bit as an athlete, um, not, you know, uh, one of the better athletes in the draft, but I think, you know, maybe an underrated athlete. Yeah, so the way I would describe him is like, you know, he's not going to be explosive. But he's good. He's way better. He's he's clearly above average. He has a really quick first step. Um, I, I think that's his standout athletic trait. Um, but he's, like I said, you know, you're not going to see him posterize anybody. I don't think anything like that. 
Um, and he doesn't rely on it, though. So like he, he can beat you without his athleticism. And that's actually kind of what makes him good is because he's an interesting case. And we've seen this with a lot of people this year is he gets to the basket at ease because of that first step. But finishing over defenders is going to be a question mark, I think, for him at the next level with a lack of explosiveness. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, he's actually he's had a couple moments where it was like, oh, where did where did that come from? But I, yeah. I would agree. I think for the most part in traffic, he struggles to to finish above the rim. But, um, you know, I had in my notes that he's quicker, you know, in a straight line than he is laterally, which, again, goes towards that first step quickness yep. that you had talked about. Um, but let's dive right into the scoring. And you talked about the finishing. Why don't we start there? Um yeah, so he's a good finisher at the rim. Uh, this is I, I felt like in the U20s that was a really standout event where I saw him just consistently finishing, whether it was through contact, uh, over somebody like with a floater, things like that, or not even a floater, just a soft over a defender. Uh, like runner kind of. Yeah, yeah, and, and just like consistently, you know, if he had a 6'5 guy on him, he could finish over him pretty easily. Um, I think overall I'd say he's a good defender. It carried over into the season. Uh, admittedly, I haven't seen too much of the return to play uh, in the in that regard. I've seen a lot of the jump shot, but I still haven't actually gotten to a full game of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I've been trying to find it, but um, I do think he's going to be a good finisher. I, I, that's actually one of the safer areas I have for him. Yeah, and I also haven't seen full games. I've just kind of seen some um, some of the the recaps that people have posted on social yep. media. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think he's ever going to be a great finisher, but not a bad one. I think he's crafty, you know, he'll, I I think he, he needs to be better about using the left around the rim. He has it. He just shies away from it. And it's something I've heard him admit in interviews. Sometimes that is something he's working on and, you know, he recognizes that, which is a good thing. Uh, he's definitely going to need to get stronger though. Yep. Uh, to, to finish around. And, and it shows because, again, he's playing against men, a lot of guys who have been in the NBA. Um, and, you know, the, Europe plays a very physical style. So we're already kind of seeing that. But, you know, him already realizing that, I, I think, is a good thing and, you know, gives him an opportunity to hit the weight room a little bit earlier in his career. Yeah, and I think he – I can't remember if he either plays – I know this guy's in the Israeli league, but I can't remember if he's a teammate or if he's gone against him. Quincy AC, And there's a That's lot of teammate. people like, – That is his teammate. Yeah, there's a lot of people built like him. And, I mean, he's unbelievably strong. I remember in the NBA, people used to go into him. He was a moving truck. You just – you know, you can't get him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that he has to consistently battle against, um, which is where 100% strength is a big concern for me. On the offensive end, I don't really worry about it on defense, but – um yeah no those two things i mean in general he drives he heavily prefers right hand i think driving to the basket too yeah no question no question and it's something we talked about with killian hayes last time and you know the big problem i had about him not wanting to go right it's the same thing with denny not wanting to go left and it's definitely still a problem especially for someone who you know i think we both project to be a secondary ball handler if not sometimes a primary ball handler um it's just slightly less of a concern because you know with Hayes he he has to be a lead guard that's his role I think Denny has a floor of you know just kind of a 
you know, even a tertiary playmaker. And so I'm not entirely upset about not him, him not wanting to go left, but it is a concern. And, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, also, and you talked about the runner, but I do like that he, he has that and he's got the little floater in his game, you know, not something he needs to rely on, but until he's ready to go in and kind of take the contact and finish through that, I think it's a good weapon for him and his arsenal. Yeah, and and I mean, he'll only be adding more moves. I think as the left hand develops, I mean, you're going to start seeing him expand that finishing ability and the moves. I mean, who knows? He can get a left-handed runner. I don't really remember seeing a lefty runner or anything from yeah. him. I mean, a lot, most, most people his age don't have the offhand moves that they can't mirror, you know? Right. But he does have a little bit of a bag, though. Like, you know, he'll, he'll oh, pull yeah. out the Euro step. He's, you know, he uses the rim as protection when he's finishing around the basket. So he's already kind of got some of those little intricacies that, I mean, frankly, we see from a lot of the top European prospects these days. Um so why don't we get back into the the shooting and maybe we can kind of talk about it before and after uh, that you've noticed in the shot from from the return to play. Yeah. So <laughs> like I said at the beginning, um, you know, with Denny, the thing the thing with him that I had always noticed was man, that shot was it was not pretty. I mean, I still have concerns, uh, but my biggest issue is just overall fluidness before uh before the return to play, but now you look at him and you see, you know, the release point is a lot better. It's a lot more straight, I would just say. I think that's just simply put. Um, but beforehand, it was just kind of all over the place. I don't think it was even consistent. Um, however, my big concern is the base is still awkward. He still fl- like flails his legs around a lot, and they're just all over the place. That's a big, just, I do not like that personally. I like it being, you know, up and down. That's it. You jump, you jump straight, <laughs> like, yeah, so I that, think the more moving parts you have, the more likely you are to mess up. Yeah. It needs to be repetitive. Yep, exactly. The simpler, the better. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. The, the, the other thing I noticed is he almost, and I had a hard time wording it, but he almost had a like forward lean, but just above the waist. And I, I saw someone describe it as a crunch, and that's kind of what it looks like. But I will say since... Since the return to play, he seems to have eliminated that crunch. Um, and I think that contributes to the overall fluidness again. Uh, and I think that's a great word that you used because we saw him. Uh, he almost looked tight as a shooter, you know, and and I like some of the, you know, traits, you know, in terms of he's got good touch. So even with kind of a wonky form, you know, he still shot what was it, 33% from from downtown. Now he's up to 41%, but it looks a whole lot cleaner. And so I have reason for optimism that, you know, at minimum you're talking about a guy who's probably a 35 to 38% three-point shooter. And that that's a huge weapon. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I have way more confidence in the 41 being closer to reality than the 30, like now, than the 33 before. You know what I mean? Like that shot at 33%, eh, I don't know. But 41 with the newer shot, it's a lot more believable. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think he, something that that's unique about Denny is he he's had this opportunity to be the man, you know, on the U19, U20 um, Israeli teams where, you know, again, he's the best player on the floor, everything runs through him. And now 
he's playing for a Maccabi Tel Aviv team where he has to be a role player. And so we're seeing him shooting the ball from all sorts of different situations, right? So we, we've seen him need to pull up. We've seen him catch and shoot. I, I don't know if I would run him off screens per se and try to get him shots off movement that way. But I, I think there's, you know, definitely credence to him being a strong shooter, both off the catch and off the dribble. Yeah, I don't necessarily buy the off the dribble yet. Like, that's something that I still need to be sold on. But for him, it's a bonus more than a need, I think. Um, I think if you get him to be capable as a spot-up shooter, which I think a lot of his attempts are spot-up shots right now, right? Since right. the restart. Right. And that's why he's shooting so much higher, too. Uh, it definitely doesn't hurt that he's taking better, simpler shots for a simpler re- release. Um, I think that if you are able to get him as a spot-up shooter in the corners, you know, top of the key, whatever, as a bailout option, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of his most success, at least early on, and that's better for him. That's a lot better for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, another area where I really like him scoring is when he goes into the post. And he does it a fair amount where, especially when he'll he'll get someone smaller on him, you know, because again, at 6'8", he's a pretty big three. Yeah. Um, you know, he's on the bigger side and um, it's not all there yet but I I really like the base foundation he has when working out of the post but what do you think yeah so I actually I I didn't see anything stand out I would say from the post one way or another like I don't know if he'll necessarily use it in the NBA you know because how often do we see six eight guys post up unless it's on like a mismatch right yeah and and but that is a good thing for him though is that he can abuse a mismatch yeah, and, you know, we I've seen him, you know, take guys into the post and, you know, shoot a little turnaround fade, yeah. um, you know, work work the, the low block a little bit with, with drop steps and things like that. So, you know, again, like you said, it's a bonus, but I, I think it's going to serve him well and just kind of gives him, you know, another piece for that, you know, offensive upside that that he has as a scorer. Um so how about him in the pick and roll, both as a scorer and a, and a passer? Just what do you think about his pick and roll game as a ball handler? Yeah, so I like him as a passer a lot more than a scorer in that regard. I mean, that's generally, honestly, all of Denny. I like him more as a passer than a scorer. <laughs> but out of the pick and roll, uh, I do like his passing more. Like I said, uh, he just makes incredible reads. Uh, scoring, I think it'll come with the left hand. I think that kind of goes back to what we said. Uh, because he's limited in one side. You know, if you trap that right side, I've seen him pick the ball up. I mean, he's just confused at times. Yeah, and I think it's good enough that he's a threat. Um, You know, he's already got some of those nuances, you know, that we've talked about with other guards of keeping the guy on his hip. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you that as he gets more diverse with, with his ball handling, I think it'll be easier to score, but I, I totally agree that the, um, that the passing is probably the more intriguing, um, area for him at this point. Um, so how would you, I, I, I think Lamelo's far and away the best passer in the draft, but how would you rank like, um, let me see. 
Uh, Denny, Cole Anthony, Killian Hayes, and Tyrese Halliburton. How would you rank those four just as passers? So it's Killian, Halliburton, Denny, and And, Anthony? Yeah. Cole Anthony. Uh, Okay, so I'll start backwards. Number four, Cole Anthony. Nothing against him. I mean, he's in the bottom tier of that. Um, God. I'd probably say Killian Hayes, number three. Okay. And then number two, man, it's hard not uh, – that is very difficult. I'd probably say number two, Halliburton – or I'm sorry, whoops, number two, Denny, and number one, Halliburton of those four. But okay. two and one, that is – that's so hard. That is but really I – th- I think the fact is that, like, the since it's so hard to say, like, yeah, you could talk ball. about him as the best passer in the draft and not name LaMelo Ball. Yeah, and I was gonna—I was thinking about this before we started. Like, Denny's the best non—and and you can call—I mean, Luca obviously is a point guard. He's just not officially a point guard. Right. Um, he's probably Denny is probably the best passing non-point guard since Luca, right? Like in the last two, three years, right? Like that's pretty. Would that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, I would I would agree. Like, there's really nobody in last year's that beats him in that. I mean, unless I'm absolutely drawing blanks. But, yeah, same. I mean, yeah. RJ, RJ was a pretty good passer, but I, I still like Denny. No, no, I would take I would take Denny, no question, over him yeah. on that. Maybe Ja. I guess Ja Morant, maybe. But Ja's a point guard. Yeah. Oh, right. right. Yeah, I did say non-point guard. I completely <laughs> violated my qualification. <laughs> yeah, no, then there's nobody else. It's, it's him. So... Okay. So, so, so talk, yeah. go, go into more detail about the passing. No, okay, so my favorite thing is, like, obviously, transition anybody can do. You know, we've seen a lot of people do it. Um, one other guy in this draft that is incredible in transition is Leandro Balmaro, uh, who is probably the second-best non-point guard passer. Uh, but, man, his transition reads are insane. Like, he he's making the, the plays Rondo and Russ used to make, like, and, like the quick hit aheads. So. Yeah, through the bounce pass between traffic. I mean, it's you don't see that from a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, and it's it's incredible to me. Like he he can read transition defenses perfectly. I mean, he is elite in that area. I think he's the best transition passer with Lamelo. I think it's one A, one B on that. Yeah, and it takes supreme confidence to pull those passes off, and that can be a double-edged sword. And it's something we talked about a bit with Killian Hayes, where he would try to fit a pass in when maybe it wasn't there, but sometimes they get through and that's when you, you you know, your jaw drops and you're like, how the hell did he make that read? Right. You can't make that without the occasional ill-advised pass. We'll call it. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. And I think in the half court, you know, just, he makes the simple passes a lot of the like we, we can talk about the flashy stuff all we want, but truth be told, a lot of it is just I'm gonna make the simple play, the extra pass, and just having the the whereabouts to do that and and put the ball into the shooting pocket of the shooter. Um but but yeah, as a passer, I think he, he's one of the, the best in the draft. Yeah, he's yeah, he's top three. I mean Kind of like we just said, I mean, those are the three guys who they just stand out so much. And there's an honorable mention, like I said, I got to give him a shout out. But Leandro Bomaro, yeah, uh, man, that they're both they're both inc- they're both wizards. 
Yeah, I was just looking at my own big board, and I haven't gotten to Bulmaro, but I've seen some stuff from him, and I, I should have included him in that conversation. Oh, no, you're, yeah, you're good. Um, okay, so I think we pretty much covered Denny offensively for the most part. Um, you know, the only other thing I would maybe add is I love him, you know, and this kind of leads into defense, but as a rebounder, I think he's a really strong rebounder, but his ability to rebound and then push – um, it really is shades of, you know, some of these bigger ball handlers that we've talked about. Um, and he kind of fits into that mold of, you know, being able to go up, get the ball and then lead the pack in transition. And you already talked about how great of a passer he is out of there. So, you know, with that kind of segue into rebounding and defense, um, you know, I, let's start with the positives. You know, I think he's a good team defender. Personally, I, I think he rotates well. And, um, you know, again, I think you see that a lot more with these uh, with these guys that play for pro teams, because if you want to get minutes, you have to learn how to play defense. Yep. It's not all about scoring, especially him as a role player. Yeah. And it's shown by how good of a help side or weak side rim protector he is. Yeah. Um, like he not to get straight into the cake, but he's he's incredible at that. And. Honestly, it's truly jaw-dropping how someone who – I don't really know how to like, – I guess someone who plays like him on defense or someone just with his skill set is that way because guys like him generally aren't weak-side rim protectors, but I actually think that happens in the NBA. Yeah, but but like we saw – and I, I hate that I keep bringing up Luka because, again, that's such an unfair comparison. And they're really – they have similar styles, but they're not – no, nowhere near player. No. Yep. But you know, we saw it like where where Luke. There's that highlight of Luca getting the two blocks on LeBron, and nobody in their right mind would say Luca can go up and challenge LeBron at the rim on a regular basis. <laughs> but the fact that it was in rotation and he was able to time it, that Denny has the same thing where he rotates on time, he times the jump well. He's just high IQ as a defender. And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, but as a defender, very high IQ. Yeah, no, I agree. He he makes defensive reads and rotations, like you said, before they happen. Uh, like he just sees the play before it happens. And, you know, we say that, and that's a truly honorable thing to be said about you, because that's what people say about LeBron on offense. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, the not so good, in my opinion, is the on-ball defense. I don't think it's horrid, but I do think – and we talked about it a little in his athletic profile that the lateral quickness isn't as as evident as the straight line quickness. And so I think when when he's tasked with and again, I think that's why he's going to have trouble defending down. But I think when he's tasked with defending one of these quicker uh, forwards, um, you know, offensively minded, who, you know, someone who just wants to get downhill, I think he's going to have a little trouble as an on-ball defender. Yeah, it's not... So I don't think it's that bad. I'm not, I'm not like, out on him on that area. Yeah, like it's, on not, ball it's not it's terrible, but it's not a party. plus. It's, I would put it, yeah, I would put it right in the middle, uh, where it's just going to vary game to game. You know, some games he's going to have, uh, which I guess is what most people call inconsistent. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, some games, you know, he may make some nice plays, you know, on the drives, defending drives, but then some games you just may see him in the rear view mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would totally agree. Excuse me. 
Um, and I think the motor's there for him, too. Like, ultimately, I think for somebody who, you know, you would maybe project for the amount of offense that he's capable of producing, um, I think he'll, he'll be a plus defender all around. I think I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see – I don't really see any way that – and, you know, a lot of rookies are negatives on defense, but I don't see a way he's, like – he's not going to be a negative as a rookie on defense, which is the hardest thing to do because, you know, everybody can play offense in the NBA. There's a reason you're there. If you can play defense from day one while not being a black hole on offense, there's a long-term spot for you. Yeah, and, and again, I, I'm never going to say he's going to win any – you know, defensive, all defensive first team honors or anything like that. But, you know, just being able to be out there and not not get picked on all day, um, you know, I think goes a long way. Um, what what would he have to do to um, become the best version of himself, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Like, what are the swing factors Overall or on defense? Yeah, just overall at this point. I, I think it's actually just the shot. I really think that's it. Um, and, I don't, and the I think left it, hand. Shot and left hand. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the shot more so than the left hand. But because I think personally, I think the left hand will come with time. Uh, the shot, I mean, we've seen so many of these guys, and not just in Europe, but we've seen so many people flame out of the league with a ton of secondary elite skills and just flame out. And or not really elite, but, you know, plus, positive, like, way plus skills and flame out of the league. And, and that's kind of what he's in, because he could flame out of the league pretty quick. Um, the, those kind of things do happen. Uh, I don't personally think it will, but there is a chance that if he doesn't develop the jump shot and it's a full negative, like, that's a, that's a massive swing to me. Whether it's, you know, if he's average, it's fine, but I just don't think he can afford to go down, you know? Yeah, because if you can sag off a player like Denny... It takes a lot away from him. Yep. Um, and the team. One more time. And the team as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about, because you just brought up the team, what are some of his best fits? Man, in my head, I cannot get rid of the idea of the Minnesota Timberwolves or Washington Wizards. Those are the two that You want to put everybody jump- on the Timberwolves and Wizards. <laughs> Hey, the Wizards are easy because look, if they play, if they play no defense, or I'm sorry, if they do play defense, they're fit for the Wizards because they played no defense this year for the most <laughs> part. Uh, and not, Minnesota's not far off either. And another, you want to go down that road more, Cleveland and Atlanta. Right? Those are probably the four. Like, like really, though, teams that you know they're in the rebuild. Uh, they have some core pieces, um, and they need you know they need this one forward. They have a massive hole at a versatile forward. And that's a two-way guy. And all of those teams need that. Yeah, I, so you brought up the Hawks. I love that fit because I think I think Trey needs a secondary playmaker. And I think Denny can do that without yep. needing the ball because he's shown, like, he can still do things offensively that are super productive as an off-ball player. Um, but at the same time, he's someone who can give Trey a little bit of relief so I really like that fit. Um, same idea in Minnesota with, you know, kind of giving D'Lo a, a bit of a break as the primary facilitator and initiator. Um, 
So I think those are both good fits. Um, do you have a comparison for him that you like? So that's not Luka Doncic. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> One of them is European. Uh, not. I, I don't really know how to describe because it's not a direct comparison. So the floor, the floor is pretty simple. I think his floor is like current Josh Jackson, who he he was decent in Memphis this year. So it's not like a slap. Uh, but I mean, it's still someone who's like an 11th man, you know. Uh, but I don't really have a ceiling comparison. He's a really unique player, so it's really hard. Um, but another guy that comes to mind is the way that Darius Arch was perceived coming out of uh, into the draft. You know, they called him a point forward at 6'10". He was not that. Uh, but everything they described him as is what Denny Abdia is. And, and you know, the point forward, good defender, uh, capable spot-up shooter, all of those, I think that's a decent outcome if he lives up to what Dario Sarge was supposed to be or labeled as. If that makes sense, it's weird, but sure. How do about you, you like do you like maybe a, a bigger um Bogdan Bogdanovich, the younger of the Kings? No. Just from the standpoint of you know, I, I don't think the I think he's a good shooter, but it hasn't necessarily translated the same way that it did for his brother. And I actually think he's a better playmaker um, and kind of plays that same, you know, secondary uh, playmaker role, obviously more so off the bench. Um, But that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. So my thing is, is that Bogdan can shoot from anywhere. And like, I mean, he can shoot off any kind. He's like pure, for me, he's a purely shooter and kind of playmaker. Uh, And I don't know about his defense. It's a little bit suspect for me. That's my only issues with it is that, I mean, for Bogdan, I think just shooter, you know. Okay. I respect that. Um, awesome. So any any final words on Denny before we move on? I think so for him. I mean, at this point, is it crazy to think he might go top three? Like just because of all the recency bias. I mean, we've seen no. how recency bias can play into him. We see the NCAA tournament does stuff every year. I mean, is it crazy to think that the restart might – you know, make a difference on that? No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's incredibly conceivable. Um, you know, I think Lamelo and Anthony Edwards, I think, are pretty much locks at this point to go in the top three. Um, and from there, I think it's wide open. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team went with Obi. I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't think someone would take Okongwu in the top three, even though you and I would. Yeah. Um, I don't think a team would take James Wiseman in the top three. Um, maybe Killian Hayes can get that, but I think Denny has a very, um, a very good opportunity to to break into the top three, depending on who's who wins the lottery, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Whoever he goes is fully going to be dependent on. Who gets it? Yeah. So we both have high lottery grades on him, top 10, bordering top five grades. So I think yep. we view him in a, in a similar boat. All right. Now, I know everyone who listens to this podcast has been <laughs> waiting for Desmond Bain. Now, before we get into this, I just want to provide a little background here. So obviously, um, Richard, you've been pumping up Desmond since last year, beyond, um, <laughs> beyond last year. And, and you actually, you've spoken with him several times. You guys are, you know, acquaintances, if not friends at this point. 
Um, and, and so when, when you're telling me about him and all that, you know, I've <laughs> kind of seen a little bit of him, but nothing crazy. And I'm just kind of looking at it and I'm like, okay, I, I'm worried as I'm watch as I turn on the, the film for the first time that, okay, we're going to have to get on this podcast and I'm going to have to try and talk Richard down and say, he's not as good as you think he is. It's, you know, <laughs> the fact that you guys are buddies on Twitter and whatever. And I know you've met him in real life too, but, um, <laughs> and I, I text you. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the exact text here. I text you. Uh, the first game I watch is against Texas Tech, and I text you and and say Bane against Tech with three hard eye emojis. <laughs> and and you said join the train, and I said all aboard. I'm I would take him at 18. I'm just gonna say it now. I'm putting it out there. He is legit. He is legit. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons why he he won't go in the lottery. Um, but where, where do you have him ranked right now? So I have him 21st. I think that's actually the end of the podcast, right? We don't need to talk about him anymore. We got him at 18. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have him, I have him 21st. Uh, there's a good chance he, sw- he swaps places with uh, Sadiq Bey for me, hopping into the 20th, top 20s. Um, so there's there's a decent chance that he's not done rising. And it's funny uh, because I, <laughs> for the longest time, I was like, okay, you know, this is a quality second round pick. That's where I'd always had him. And then as I kept going back, like as this hiatus happened, I'm like, you know, like maybe I should just embrace like, you know, the fact that I've seen him for three years and seen this guy grow and everything. But where do you have him? Okay. So again, I've been really bad about, building my board here i'm kind of just watching players as we're scheduling them on the podcast um you know work has kind of gotten in the way of things a little bit but um he's taken paul reed's spot i got paul reed down a slot but i gave him a mid first round grade which is the same grade i gave to tyrese maxi devin vassell and patrick williams and i was this close to putting him over Tyrese Maxey because frankly I think Desmond Bain is a better player right now than all three of those guys he just doesn't have the same upside um, that the other three have but the reason I'd be so comfortable taking Desmond at 18 and why there's no question in my mind he's going to be a top 20 player on my board is there's a very clear um, path for him to having a meaningful contributing role at the NBA level. Um, And so for that reason, I would rather take a guy like that than a total gamble. Like like almost like like Oku. Yeah. Yeah. That like, I understand swinging for the fences sometimes. And if my team, if the Mavs did that, I wouldn't be mad, but you, you could throw Desmond Bain on, like, if, if the draft happened before the bubble or whatever, um, you know, kind of like how the Major League Baseball is going to be able to have some of these players that just got drafted at least be on the taxi squad. You could put Desmond Bain on a, an NBA team right now and get 20 to 25 minutes out of him, and he wouldn't look out of place, in my opinion. Not at all. Not um, at all. So, again, you know him on a personal level, so why don't you talk about his background a little bit? 
<laughs> I'll try and keep it under a minute. So <laughs> the story with uh, so he came out of Richmond, Indiana, which was like a super small town in uh, kind of the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Came unrecruited. I don't think any Indiana school even offered him. Uh, so I think only two D1 schools offered him. I, I want to say it was like Miami of Ohio and TCU. Somehow they're in like maybe Clemson, something like that. It was it was also an ACC school, like a lower end one. And TCU took a chance on him. And, uh, you know, freshman year, I think he added a lot of strength. And uh, by sophomore year, that's when I first started keeping up with TCU a little bit more. I saw him and I'm like, okay, wow, this guy can shoot. Didn't think too much of it, but I'd like taken note of him. And then junior year, I mean, he exploded. Uh, he just embraced his role. He became this incredible shooter full time, you know, really good athlete. Um, and just really took off. And then in the summer of last year, he went out to the pro basketball combine. I was lucky enough to be out there. And uh, I think he missed three shots on his NBA uh, three-point drill, where I think they took 25. I want to say he won 22 of 25. And funny enough, it was at That's the end. That's ridiculous. Like, almost, it, so he made it. I think he missed, like, his third one. And then he missed two in a row at the end, and that was it. Like, the, wow. it was insane. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, and at that point, I was like, okay, look, this guy, like, if he's, I want him at 37. This was last year for the math. I was, I was all aboard that. And then, you know, he told me, he's like, hey, I'm going to return to school. Like, uh, and I really think, you know, if I come back and kill it next year, I can do it. And he, he blew away. I, I think even if you ask him, he blew away his own expectations. Um, he just, he had one of the best seasons ever in TCU history. Uh, people picked him to be the last place team in the big 12 they said they would be bad and carried him i think to a fifth or sixth place finish and he he's truly remarkable and, and the intent doesn't even bring up the intangibles like he's one of the nicest people uh, i've met whether or not it's basketball uh just down to earth has just his head in the right place you know he's surrounded by the right people uh so yeah he's a really good person and obviously like the story how he's gotten there is one of a kind and it's what people dream of you know it's one of those almost humble beginnings for basketball yeah for sure uh, something to mention is you, you mentioned he's a senior. He's he's a young senior. He's 22. He's younger than Obi Toppin. Yeah, he just uh, turned by, by a few months. Yeah. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Um, but let's just run through his uh, his numbers real quick. He's 6'5", 215, 215, 215. All, <laughs> all, all muscle, all muscle. All muscle. Uh, okay, so. Just, just real quick interlude. I remember uh, we were both at a Mavs game. We were not there together. You were a few sections over. Um, I was with my mom. Uh, and <laughs> and you this. texted me and you're like, yo, Desmond Bain's right behind you. And I turn around and I, I, I just kind of scam, but I don't really know what I'm looking for. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, why, even, like, like he's going to be wearing his jersey or something. Well, he was wearing a TCU shirt. I remember he that. He was, he was. But I'm out here, like, looking for this purple jersey <laughs> for some reason. And and you're like, I, I text you back. I'm like, where exactly? And you, you were like, you know, look over your left shoulder. You can't miss him. And I turn and look, and I text you back, and I'm like, is it the dude that is like jacked out of his mind? And you're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> look, linebacker, right? Like, <laughs> dude, he he does look like a lot. He is like almost too built. Like, I, <laughs> but here's the thing: I was worried that he was gonna be um, like really tight, like tightly wound because of how jacked he is. He's not. <laughs> he's really fluid. Yeah, um, which is kind of scary. Um, 
but we'll get into that in a second. 6'5", 215, 6'5", uh, wingspan. I've, I've seen some people say it's like 6'4 and a quarter even. So that is something I noticed is he does have short arms. Yeah. And I know you were saying you were talking to a scout who had mentioned that, you know, that is a big negative that they look at. Um, and then obviously this year he went off in 32 games, averaged 36 minutes a night, uh, took just over 13 and a half shots a game, shot 45%, which by the way, before that, as a freshman, 51 and a half percent from the field as a sophomore, 54% from the field as a junior, 50.2% from the field. And then it fell off a little at 45, but super which, efficient. Which because he took the full responsibility of the offense and right. look read, point percentage year over year too i mean that's it, that's it, yeah but in even as primarily a shooter to have that level of efficiency i think is big uh six and a half threes a game this year which was up from just uh 4.3 the year before shot 44.2 percent from downtown uh 79 percent from the line uh, but only two attempts a game uh 16 and a half points six and a half rebounds four assists a steal and a half and half a block per game Give me Desmond Bain. Yeah. Come on. You want to know what the craziest stat is that you didn't even, uh, that you didn't read? He never missed a game at TCU. He missed, the most he's ever missed was one summer optional practice. That's because like injuries and disease look at him and they're like, I don't want to mess with that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, not wrong. (laughs) No, I mean, he's an ultimate option. Which matters, though. I mean, like, if you look at how many games players miss, I mean, just look at this whole draft class. Everybody, I think, almost every single player missed, like, one game at the least. And yeah. you don't – then you have four years where you don't miss one? Like, that's that's unheard of. Yeah, and look, I promise it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We're going right. to critique his right. game a little bit. But <laughs> I think the point is we're talking about a guy who's been slept on his whole career and people need to wake up. Yeah. Um and I know you've talked about it on tons of podcasts, but this is the Mavs Draft podcast. There is nobody we should be pumping up more than Desmond Bain at this point. So let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about him. Well, first of all, where did you say you have him ranked? 21st? We got that already, right? Okay. 21st um, for now. That's subject to change. <laughs> I'm curious. Do you have him as a guard or a wing? Wing. Okay, wing. I agree. I agree, um, which sucks a little because he is undersized um, and, you know, 6'5", but again, it's the short arms, um, but obviously incredibly strong, and I think he's a much better athlete than he gets credit for. I mean, he, he can really get up. I think, didn't he post like a 40-inch vertical yeah, uh, so, at that combine? Yeah, 44, and his standing vertical was pretty high, too. I don't remember the exact number. I think number, his standing but... was like 40 or 41. See, and I think that I might think the max might have been 44. Yeah, I think the standing one had I, I don't trust a lot of standing verticals. Those things can go south pretty quick. But I mean, the 44 inch vertical is legit. I mean, he's I've seen him before get his head on the like at the rim. I, yeah. I mean, we'll talk more about his athleticism and I'll never mind. <laughs> well, let's, well, let's just jump into that. So, yeah, I think as you know, I I, I see that explosiveness as a leaper. I don't necessarily see it when he's attacking the basket, though. I, I don't think yep. he's got super quick feet. Again, I think he's fluid and he's explosive, but I think both going forward and moving laterally a little bit, you know, not the not the most fleet of foot 
player out there. Yeah, so he I'm sorry, Desmond. <laughs> he can get burned by some quicker defenders, quicker ball handlers. Excuse me. I mean, you know, if you switch on a point guard, it's kind of troublesome. Uh, but at the same time, if there's any contact, you know who's winning that battle. You know, like yeah. if He's if wall. they're able to, and it's an issue. But if it's going into him, I don't worry as much. And and kind of going into the athleticism area more so again. I think one thing that really matters for him offensively. Uh, you know, his first step isn't amazing uh, by any means. I'd say it's at best average. Uh, yeah. But one thing that does jump out to me is TCU played super slow. So a lot of his, a lot of the offense off ball and once he'd catch it would be complete stop go. And, you know, in the NBA, you rarely, like, I feel like you're not doing a complete stop. You get almost to there. It's like a rolling stop and then you go, um, which I think helps him a lot because I've seen him in transition do that stop and go. And it's very quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think out in transition, you know, moving full speed. I, I think he's got, you know, he's not flying down the court, but he's got good wheels. Yeah. Um, okay, so scoring. Um, let's start with the jumper because I think I think we need to be talking about him on the same level as, like, Aaron Neesmith, to be honest with you. Uh, above. Above for me. Okay. I, I have Desmond. I had said, you know, maybe Desmond's not the best shooter in the class a few days ago. And then I thought about it uh, because for me, the issue was how he shoots off the dribble. It's a little bit awkward, uh, but man, it is, he doesn't move. Like everything is sound. Like there's no extra movement anywhere on it, even though it looks a little bit funky and it can kind of dips on it. Um, his jump shot, man, it is, there's no flaws in it. I don't think the form is awkward. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's almost like, you know, a push shot to it or not a push shot, excuse me, like a trebuchet almost. But, it, <laughs> but his touch is so good. I mean, I've seen I've done too many of these slow-mo videos where I, you know, and warm-ups where his shot is just I mean, it goes off the fingers absolutely perfectly. Like it's a coach's dream. And he has NBA range. He can do everything with a jump shot. Like and he's quick too. And I think you sent me a video of just a super quick release if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so it was it was against Texas Tech still, I believe, um, and he was, or maybe it wasn't. Uh, regardless, he was moving to the left corner, um, caught the ball. Defender comes to challenge quickly, and he he just pulls it, leaning away from the basket, leaning towards the baseline even, and knock it down like it was nothing. And I'm like, that's that's such a tough shot and he made it look so easy um i agree with you that his his form is a bit um different it's a bit unorthodox but it's not um it's not bad because again the release is so quick and everything looks smooth and fluid like you mentioned um doesn't get a ton of lift even on the deeper shots that he takes but he doesn't need it so you know why slow the shot down you know, it is more of a set shot, but that's not a bad thing. I think he tends to get more elevated when it is off the dribble. And that's, I think, when the, the legs maybe get a little too involved sometimes. So I do like him better as a catch and shoot guy. Um, but I love him running off screens um, yeah. because his footwork is so good. He runs off the screen and then the way he opens himself up to receive the pass, he creates even more space. And not that he needs a ton because he has no problem, you know, pulling up right in someone's face. Um, and again, the, the release is so damn quick. But um, 
Uh, I just think his, his footwork adds to it. Yeah, and you can see, I think one of the plays you also sent me is in West Virginia where he's just in the corner. I mean, it's a Hail Mary. And that was it. That was it. It was West Virginia. Okay, yeah. So he get, I mean, got his feet perfectly set. It's just so quick around screens. And, you know, we talk about how Aaron Denise Smith does the exact same thing and people go crazy, you know, against him against like UNC Asheville. But, I mean, he did this stuff against West Virginia, Baylor. I mean, it was not uncommon to do this against the whole Big 12, especially because Tech. they knew he was the ball. Everybody knew you can't let this guy get the ball. I mean, everybody tried face guarding him every single night, all 30-whatever games it was, and he still was able to get there. He knows how to get to his spots as a shooter. Well, and the funny thing is about that West Virginia game is, you know, the announcers kept bringing up, like, you know, Bain's been quiet, this and that. And then he hits, like, two quick threes to, like, start the half or something like that. I don't remember the exact timing of it. Um, and uh, and I was like, well, he's in double digits, so <laughs> just like that. Um, so, yeah, elite shooter off movement, elite catch-and-shoot um, player. Um, not a bad finisher around the rim, but I think there's some room for improvement. Um, I think he does really well to use his body um, to create a little bit of space and he absorbs contact well when he's going up to finish. Like you'll see him kind of bring the ball way out outside his frame. Yep. Um, but the problem is, again, he doesn't have super long arms to necessarily always get to where he needs to. Um, so I do think he, you know, it, strength isn't the problem, but I, I just think getting up and around and over some of the NBA length might be a problem for him. Yeah, and my I think the one counter, I don't disagree uh, at all. The one counter I would say for that, though, is that a lot of his offense at the rim came at the half court. Uh, I agree. More than that, but uh, it was either, you know, Hail Marys, I would say is one thing, like at the end of, you know, grenades almost, like 10 seconds or less, and they're like, do something. Uh, and the other is, I think he's an incredible cutter, and I think that's where he's going to be used most at the rim. So yeah. and he wasn't used, He, I personally, I don't think he was used right at TCU, which is insane to say. Well, but he had to. He had to be the, yep. the primary guy because, yep. you know, he was one of the better ball handlers on the team, and that's what you do in college. You put the ball in your best player's hand. They did run him off screens every once in a while, but sometimes they were like, Desmond, save us. And that's, that's not really his game, you know? And that's why I think he's going to be even more dangerous in the NBA because he's not going to have to do that, you know? And, and again, like, like you're saying where he's able to cut back door, receive the pass with a full head of steam, then he can really use that vertical to get up. And I think it'll be easier for him as opposed to trying to drive. I, I don't think he's as good trying to drive to the basket and, and finishing that way. Does yeah. that make sense? Yep, I agree. His best his best driving is in transition. He's really good at that. He's amazing at leading a break, uh, a fast break. Excuse. And I think what you're going to see in the NBA is someone, first of all, who can do that, which is really helpful to have um, a non-point guard or, you know, have another person who can just fully run the fast break. Uh, and I personally think that was his best. You know, that was one of his best areas at TCU was transition passer, transition finishing, just all of it. I uh, just knew exactly what to do. And I think you're going to see him, like I said, you're going to see him as a cutter. You know, that's going to be his best move to get to the rim, not a slasher. Yeah. And I think as a ball handler, he's he's fine. You know, he's not going to get ripped coming up the court, but I think he needs to 
tighten the handle up and improve it a little bit. And I, I just think it'll add a little bit more, um, you know, if he wants to be an on-ball scorer, um, you know, it's something he's going to have to improve. But again, it's it's not something I'm really concerned with because I don't think it's going to be a part of his game. Right, right. And I know he's working on the ball handling. I know it's something that he's really worked on throughout this hiatus. Um, but yeah, if he can get it a little bit smoother and, you know, all those moves down, like, cause he's got a little bit of a bag. I mean, we saw it against Baylor. The step back was disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and I know he really worked on all the year before and like, who knows if he can just, you know, make it a little bit smoother. I think it's going to make a huge difference. Totally. Um, okay. So I want to talk about him as a passer. Um, cause he's a good passer. Yep. He, he's a legitimately good passer. Um, and it, but it's never like, again, he's not going to be running pick and rolls. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be the primary facilitator, but just someone who even the simple entry pass into the post, he makes it look easy, but <laughs> you know, when, when he cuts and he draws the attention of the defense, he's, he's always looking for that extra pass. And, and he does it really well. And it's something I wasn't expecting. And then when I went back and I saw, oh, he had four assists a game. Oh, he only had two turnovers a game. It makes sense. Because he's yeah. smart with the ball. Uh, I was just about to say, he's his high IQ passing is a really good way to tell if someone's got, you know, the basketball feel, IQ, all of that, I think. The way you can make the reads. Uh, my favorite thing, so his bounce passes are insanely accurate. Uh, I've seen... Like we talked about with Denny, the way he can throw through transition, you know, between people's legs. Desmond has done that, like, from the games I've seen. Unfortunately, I just haven't cropped those videos or anything. I can't remember the games they were at. But I remember seeing plays where he would throw it from baseline to baseline, bounce pass, like, through the defense almost or around the defense. Like, he's really good at the wraparound passes. And I know you said, you know, he's not going to be running pick and roll. But I think you can trust him in there because – a lot of times with Kevin Samuel at the center, they ran a mean pick and roll. It's always their yeah. go-to for play. It was the first play they ever ran, like you know, for the game. A lot of times, and um, like that's a play that I think you see. You're not going to want to, you know, running it a lot. But if he's able to, you know, if he's got the big man in a position, why not? Like you can trust him. For sure. So again, just an underrated aspect of his game. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a superb passer, but. It, you know, he, he can make live ball passes, um, you know, no problem. So, um, you know, anything else offensively that uh, that you wanted to touch on that I might have missed? Uh, shooting, finishing? I, I don't else? think anything else, like, really, you know, necessarily stands out. I think uh, – oh, I would say the only other thing is uh, the inability to get to the free throw line kind of goes with what yeah. we said about dancing defenses. That's why the free throw percentage – I mean, there were times where at the end of the year, you know, I saw literally like as the stats were going up on the screen, it would say free throw percentage for the year would go down to like 82 to like 77 off one free throw. <laughs> right. I mean, if he's a guy who's shooting four to five free throws a game, I think he's an easy 85 percent shooter. Yeah, exactly. Um, OK, so defensively, again, I was pleasantly surprised, particularly as a team defender. Um Again, just one of those guys who always seem to be in the right spot. And, I mean, it literally looks sometimes like like they just passed him the ball because the other team, I'm saying, passed him the ball because he was in the right spot. Um, yeah. And, again, just high IQ player. I know we're sounding redundant here, but 
Well, it's an important it it's an important point to drive home, and I think another area, you know, defense and rebounding go hand in hand. I was watching an old game uh, of TCU, like his junior year, and he closed out on the on the ball handler uh, who pump faked and then passed out of it. And immediately, the first thing he did, he saw that the guy was wide open, and then there was a teammate closing out on him. Went to the short rebound where nobody else was and got the rebound. Like it's things like that. The reads that he makes, how he knows where to be, is just incredible to me. And while you know he's not gonna. He's not the best on ball defender. Um, like I wouldn't, you know, his lateral quickness is it's like average, I would say, yeah. floating around there, give or take. And you're not going to see him blow you away on that. But first of all, with the strength, but second of all, the IQ, those two things matter so much on ball that it's going to really help him as a defender in the NBA. Yeah, he, he's someone you're going to be able to hide on the ball. You're just going to put him on the, you know, the probably the two for the most part. I think you don't yeah. want him on the quicker one, but you don't want to put him on the bigger three, even though he's strong enough for it. Um, you know, just the lack of length and foot speed, I think is going to be a bit of a problem for him as an on-ball defender. But again, he's, he's a high motor player and he knows where to be. He's a strong rebounder for his size. Um, so again, I, I don't really see someone who's a negative defensively, but He's not someone where, you know, a lot of times when you're talking about three and D players, you picture someone where it's like, okay, offensively, you're going to hit threes for me. And defensively, I'm going to go put you on the best player and you're just going to shut him down. He's not going to do that. Um, And I think if you try to force him to do that, that's where you're going to be disappointed. But if you just let him be a good team defender, um, and that's why I think he's going to be such a good fit with the Mavs if, if they're lucky enough to draft him. Because um, I, I think that's the position they would put him in. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, the Mavs—it's just—it's so perfect, like you said. You know, you don't—you don't have to be the elite defender to be three and D. You can be three. You can be the three-point shooting, no question. That's there. I think three and D just means—I mean, man, if you can shoot, like for me with him at least, he's going to shoot and he's going to be positive defensively. That's three and D enough for me. Anything yeah. else at that point? Okay, so um, do you have a comparison for Desmond that you like? <laughs> uh, a little bit. I, they're low-end guys, so I don't have any. He's a little bit unique because of the frame, the IQ, yeah. and the elite shooting ability. There's there's really not any player that has that blend. Uh, the guys that jumped out at me were Royce O'Neal, but he can play. It kind of goes into what I would say about Bain on defense is like he can play up to the small ball four I think I think there's a legitimate uh chance for him to be able to do that in a super small lineup but he's so strong that he can hold his own against a four like I don't think that there's an issue of strength in that which matters yeah. to me uh, and I think that's a legitimate possibility that he winds up at some fours in some lineups and you know Rick Carlisle loves three guard lineups he would be that four in that right lineup. right yeah, I like that. Um, I'm going to go with the super low-hanging fruit here, and I'm going to say he's just a jacked J.J. Redick. Because <laughs> the re- and so here's the reason I say that, and it's not just the shooting, but obviously that's what J.J.'s known for. J.J.'s a super underrated passer, and I think he's a super underrated team defender. And that's kind of where I see similarities between him and Desmond, where, yeah, like people are going to look at him and be like, damn, that, that kid can shoot the ball. 
but there's so much more to his game that I don't think he gets credit for. And I think that's why he's left out of a lot of people's top 25. Yeah. Yeah. People only really think about the shooting, you know, and in, in the small arms. And, and I guess one other thing with defense, uh, not to, you know, I have two things, one positive and a negative. So the first is, uh, you know, closeouts. I feel like the short arms really hurts him there. I've seen him a lot where he can't get to the release point. He yeah, only gets I agree. To the eyes, the nose, something like that, that range. And uh, even though he can jump really high, it just it hurts not having the arms to extend out that far. Uh, you know, coming from someone I've obviously I'm not playing in the NBA, so I don't want to compare myself or anything. But like people who play basketball, you know, length matters. Um, right. And like I have freakishly long arms and I've been able to, you know, tell like, it's a basketball thing, not an NBA thing. But, you know, closing out, having extra a few extra inches helps a lot. Uh, the other thing I would say, though, is on defense before we, you know, go into the final stages of this is like in transition, he's an incredible transition defender. So one thing with his athleticism, I remember when he was a junior uh, against Texas, he went for a chase down block and he I think he got the block, which was cool. But he hit his head on the bottom of the backboard on the way. Oh, down. yeah, I remember that. He, stop. he blocked it. And he kept going, he kept going, boom, backboard. And I thought he got a concussion. Like, dude, we still, like, he, he thinks that's still one of the funniest plays that he's ever done. Like, it's uh, it's really funny how that, uh, how freakishly athletic he was in that regard. You, you know, you don't see it because of the limitations in the half court. Yeah. Um, okay, so just to kind of wrap it up, other than your Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> um, it's hard to say best fit again for someone whose draft range could be all over the place, anywhere from, you know, 20 to 35, honestly. Um, But, you know, honestly, any, I think any playoff team, any team that, that is looking for a three point specialist role player, um, you know, someone who can possibly even develop into, you know, the third or fourth scorer on your roster, but, um, you know, someone who you could put into your rotation almost immediately. And he may never progress past being, you know, the, the player that you drafted, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because he's, he's already going to provide so much to an NBA franchise. Yeah. He's already a serviceable rotation player. And I think, yeah, I think he's in a lucky position, you know, he's in that 18 to 35 range where almost every one of those teams are good and they're not rebuilding they're not you know terribly run franchises things like that uh i mean my three i mean obviously i think dallas is the fit for him uh you know he stays local and everything that would be really good uh, does he want to play for dallas do you know i can't i can't uh confirm or deny that uh, <laughs> but, come on. but maybe we'll, this, well, maybe we'll be able to get him is, on here and, all and i'm gonna say is all i'm gonna say is i know his favorite player going up was d wade so um, I don't know how he'd be receiving. I right, never mind. I don't want him anymore. <laughs> Does that change your uh, how that's question? Yeah, he, he's he's undrafted. No, I'm <laughs> no, I. Uh, but I mean, the three teams that I think I think three teams that fit for him uh, are in that range. I have Utah as one, Philadelphia, and this is excluding Dallas. Philadelphia would be great, and then lastly, I see Oklahoma City as a really good option, which is staying close to TCU. You know, sure. Yeah, I think those are those are all good options. Again, I, I don't think any team in that range would be disappointed with the type of play you're getting. And I, I do feel kind of bad saying, you know, if he doesn't progress this and that, because 
you know, it, people who are perceived to have low ceilings can can bust right through those ceilings sometimes. So I, I'm just thinking of that. Um, is it a 21 or 22 Jump Street where they're doing like that? We're just bursting through multiple <laughs> ceilings. I love that. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, any last words before we sign off here? I would say just the last thing about Desmond, uh, man, like whoever gets him, <laughs> y'all are going to be a lucky team. And uh, just <laughs> he's a good player. He's, he's a better dude. That's what I would say about him. I mean, he's he's ideal for a winning team. Like he fits into the culture right away. Yeah. And, you know, Desmond, we're looking forward to having you in Dallas uh, for the long <laughs> haul. It's going to be fun. Maybe um, be on the time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But with that in mind, um, I think we're going to go ahead and call it here. Um, we we kind of recorded this, like, again, things are a little crazy times right now. So uh, we didn't have time to, to ask for mailbag questions. But for the next episode, we will try to get back to answering a few mailbag questions. Uh, Richard will go ahead and throw up another poll um, as well to see uh, what players you'd like us to do next. So. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.